I'm good to go. Hallelujah. Um, Joshua 13. Last week, we had Joshua 13 from verse 1 to 7. And today, we are going to look at Joshua 13, 8 to 32. And because there is so much reading, I bullied my husband into reading it. So we'll hear from Alistair, Joshua 13, 8 to 32. It sounds very long, but bear with me, because I think there is power in actually hearing the word of God being read. Yes. Yes, this is called Division of the Land East of the Jordan. People know the difference between East and West. So that's the land that was, um, anyway, it explains what it's all about. The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites had received the inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan, as he, the servant of the Lord, had assigned it to them. It extended from Aroa on the rim of the Arnon Gorge, and from the town in the middle of the gorge and included the whole plateau of Medeba as far as Dibon and all the towns of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon, out of the border of the Ammonites. It also included Gilead, the territory of the people of Geshur and Makkah, all of Mount Hebron, all of Bashan as far as Salekah, that is the whole of the king kingdom of Og in Bashan, who had reigned in Asheroth and Edri. He was the last of the Rephaites. Moses had defeated them and taken over their land, but the Israelites did not drive out the people of Geshur and Makkah, so they continued to live among the Israelites to this day. But to the tribe of Levi he gave no inheritance, since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance as he promised to them. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Reuben according to its clans. The territory from Araoa on the rim of the Arnon Gorge and from the town in the middle of the gorge and the whole plateau of Medeba to Heshbon and all its, plateau, all its uh, towns on the plateau including Dibon, Bamothbal, Bethbal, Mion, Jahaz, Kedemoth, Mepath, Kiriathiam, Sibmah, Zerashaha on the land of the, on the hill in the valley. I don't know how there's a hill in a valley, but there must have been one. <laughs> Beth Peor, the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshimoth. All the towns on the plateau and the entire realm of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. Moses had defeated him and the Midianite chiefs, Ebi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, princes allied with Sihon, who lived in that country. In addition to those slain in battle, the Israelites had put to the sword Balaam, son of Beor, who practiced divination. The boundary of the Reubenites was the bank of the Jordan. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Reubenites, according to their clans. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of Gad, according to its clans. 
the territory of Ajazo, all the towns of Gilead, and half the Ammonite country as far as Arior near Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramath, Mizpah and Betonim, and from Manayam to the territory of Deborah, and in the valley, Beth Haram, Beth Nimrah, Sukoth, Zaphon, with the rest of the realm of Sihon, king of Heshbon, the east side of the Jordan, the territory up to the end of the Sea of Galilee. These towns and their villages were the inheritance of the Gadites, according to their clans. We've nearly got there. This is what Moses had given to the half-tribe of Manasseh. That is up to half the family of the descendants of Manasseh, according to its clans. The territory extending down from Manayam, including all of Bashan, the entire realm of Og, king of Bashan, and all the settlements of Jair in Bashan, 60 towns, half of Gilead and Asheroth and Edri, the royal cities of Og in Bashan. This was for the descendants of Makur, son of Manasseh, for half of the sons of Makkah, according to their clans. This is the inheritance Moses had given when he was in the plains of Moab, across the Jordan, east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, God of, the, Lord the God of Israel, is their inheritance, as he promised them. Thank you. So you see why I, I asked him to read the first, to read it for me, because I don't think I would have done that. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Rhonda has already prayed for me, and thank you for that. But, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done this morning here as it is in heaven. Give us today, Lord, our daily bread. We ask for a rhema word that you speak to us personally. Father, that you just take this morning and deal with us individually and bring us to that place of rest, the place of inheritance which you have set for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Do you know, I woke up with a very bright idea this morning, and I thought there is so much in Joshua, and we have already done so much, and I thought, oh, you know what? Maybe we could combine it together and do a devotional from Joshua, can you imagine if we each contributed what we are learning and then put it together and used it as a devotion? I haven't, I haven't said anything to Tony yet, so he's hearing it for the first time. So we'll have a devotional from Joshua. Because it's too much. There's just so much. I didn't know what to say yesterday. Shall I talk about this? Shall I talk about that? Shall I talk about the children of the Levites? What shall I do? But I woke up this morning with an idea, and I felt that that's what the Lord wanted me to talk about this morning. The idea I woke up with was, what if I was Joshua? You know, what if I was the one that God had come and said, look, 
you old. As if he didn't know, you know, you, you are old and you are stricken of age, you know. <laughs> I need to talk to someone, so you will have to excuse me. You know? <laughs> so what would I have done? How would that have felt for me? You know? And then he just doesn't tell me how old I am, but he tells me the effects of age on me. And then he proceeds to say what I need to do. God, you know, you're old, you're stricken of age, and there is a lot to do. I'm thinking, how do I manage that? How do I deal with that? How, what would I do? Firstly, I thought if I was in Joshua's place, I might have felt worried scared, or probably would have had to remember the commission that I received when God first asked me to cross the Jordan. Because then I began to realize why God said to him, be very strong, be courageous, and do not be afraid only he didn't tell him then that when he was about a hundred years old, there would still be more land to take. I really mean, God is so good. He never tells us what to expect. He just leads us one step at a time. Because I wonder whether if jo Joshua knew that this would be required of him at hundred, whether he would have agreed, he probably would have said, uh, could we, you know, that, that doesn't sound right. But the Lord in his wisdom doesn't reveal his plans for us in a long, long future distance. He leads us step by step. He says, this is what we are going to do by now. And then you begin to understand why the psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Just enough for me to see where I can put my next step and the light unto my path. Because I can just worry about where I am and be able to see where I am and trust to take that step. And then the other thing I realized was Joshua had all these things that the Lord had spoken to him. But do you know what's interesting about Joshua? Joshua was a disciple. He was a disciple of Moses. He followed Moses. He hung around Moses. You know, he was old. I'm sure wherever Moses turned, this boy was with him. But we don't hear anyone being a disciple of Joshua. Nobody's mentioned. So Joshua gets into old age on his own as a leader. Well, of course, there were other leaders, but he does not have someone close to him as he was close to Moses. Do you see what I mean? And I remember thinking, that is interesting, but it is also a lesson for us. 
I'm sure that Moses died happily and freely because he knew the boy Joshua, the son of Nun, who had lingered in the presence of the Lord long after Moses himself had gone, had learned enough to do what God wanted them to do together as a team. And I believe that all of us need a Joshua so that when we get to a hundred years old, we can depend on the Joshua's to finish whatever it is God has called us to finish. Am I making sense? So now this Joshua has woken up this morning. The Lord has spoken to him and he doesn't have a Joshua. And I'm thinking, okay, this sounds scary. If I was in his shoes, I would be scary. And you know, when he read all those people, it just feels like the land is vast. It's so big. I'm thinking, what are you going to do? You know, because that's how I would be feeling. But you see, we are not different from Joshua. We are human like Joshua was. And we too have been given territories to take. Some of those territories are probably the callings on our lives. But the major territories we have been asked to take is the territory of our own self. You know, because remember in Joshua 10, we spoke about the five kings. And I think those five kings are about the flesh, you know, the five senses that the enemy will take hold of and use to come against us. The only difference that we have is that we, as believers that are also working to possess our land, we are at a much more advantageous place because the day we moved from being non-believers to being believers, we crossed over from that land into the new land but we just didn't cross over. We became a new creation, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and behold, the new has come. Yes, with, with, the, with the children of Israel, the Lord did say to them, today I have taken away the reproach of Egypt. But I don't know whether their hearts were changed. But for us, when we become Christians, we become changed. Jesus comes and he dwells in us. And he fills us with his Holy Spirit and empowers us to take hold of that which he wants us to take hold of. All Joshua had was the covenant and the terms of the covenant. Yes, he did meet, oh, by the way, you know he's the first one. He's the one that met the 
commander of the heavenly armies. So in Joshua 5.14, we, we find the name Jehovah Saboath. It was God introducing himself to Joshua. You know, and then he says, are you for us or are you for our enemies? You know, he was non-committal. He says, neither. Okay. You know, at least, uh, he says, neither. Uh, I am the captain of the heavenly horse. So he didn't even have that total, complete assurance that that captain was actually going with him. Though he knew that the God that he had met was with him all the time. Am I going around the houses? <laughs> you know, but you see, the thing is, these things are important. And Joshua needed to remember that. When he met that, when he met that angel who was holding a sword, he was told, when, when he asked what to do, the, the angel said to him, take off your shoes because the ground you are standing upon is holy ground. And I feel that even us, as we enter into the calling that God has called us, as we begin to walk as a new people, we need to remember that we have entered into a different place. We have stepped onto holy ground and our ways need to change and align themselves with the ground that is holy, with the place that we have come into, the calling that we have received. Because we are now a new creation. We cannot continue doing the things that we were doing before we became Christians. You know, Paul in Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved and died for me. Joshua didn't have that. But we do. We do. We can live and we do live by faith in Christ. So whatever the Lord has given us to take, whatever the enemy throws at us, we have Christ that lives in us. Are we together? You know, but we have also become sons. You see, Joshua was one of the tribe of the children of Israel. I don't know what, you know, the, he, he was set apart. They were special people. But we have personally become sons. I emphasize the word sons because I come from a culture where only sons inherit and so when I became a son of God, it was a huge thing for me. John chapter 1, 12 says, to all who believed in him, you know, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the power to become children of God. So 
you are not a ch just a child. There is a power that has been endured upon you to rise up and to begin to walk like a son of God. When I arrive in my father's village as a child of a Guatejo, my stature, my attitude, the way I do things is always different. Why? Because of the authority that I have in that village and in that place. And for us, in order to take whatever God has given us to take, whether it's Medway, whether it's, it's the strongholds in our lives, whether it's illness or whether it's whatever it is we are placing in, First and foremost, we must know who we are. This is about identity. This is about who God says we are. And we need to know that and take hold of that and walk in that. Are we together? You know, I, I used to be a nurse and I used to be very shy when I was younger. But what was interesting was that when you found me outside the hospital where I was not quite sure about my own identity, you know, and the things like that, I was not confident. But if you came on my ward, I was a different person. Why? Because on that ward, I knew who I was. I was staff nurse Florence. I had work to do. I knew my staff. And so I walked confidently and I was efficient. Why? Because I knew who I was when I was on that world. Do we know who we are? You see, sometimes the enemy knows who we are than we even know ourselves. Joshua didn't have all this. He did not, all he had was the word that God had given him. But he did not have the power that is spoken about in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when we are told that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit is in us. The day you say, yes, Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit that convicts you of that sin. And it is the Holy Spirit that begins to work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Jesus comes and makes his home with us together with the Holy Spirit. That is a very powerful position to be. And so, and we have that, which Joshua didn't have. Joshua just didn't know all these things, but we do know these things. And we need to begin to walk in these things. It doesn't matter how many kings there are. They can come left, right, center, west, east, and south. It doesn't matter. We are the children of God, the church of God, the ones that have been appointed to go and take the land. 
by the ones that do not walk alone. Matthew 28, 18 to 19. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them everything I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, always. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. I am for you. I am beside you. I am within you. I am your God. That is what God says. So we can rise up and go. Or we can rise up and face whatever the enemy throws at us. Because Joshua's experience is not our experience. You see, the thing is, Joshua's promises were from the Torah. Our promises are from the Torah and the New Testament. So we take hold of Joshua's promises, they are ours. And then we take hold of the promises that are in the New Testament and they are ours. He didn't have the New Testament, but we do. Are we together? And so if we are going to go and do this war, what are we going to need? We're going to need to know who we are. I've already said that. And we are going to need to know and be confident in who it is that lives in us. Because greater is he that, that is in us than he that is in the world. It doesn't matter how things look like. And a lot of times we have to remind ourselves. And there are times when things look bad. But we must remember that it doesn't matter how bad you look. Someone who is the Lord, the King of Kings who lives in me, is greater than you. I have had to recently remind myself of that and stand and say, you know what, I don't care. I don't care how bad you look. What I know is there is a God and that God is greater than you and that his name you must bow. You see, as a Christian, you've been given a set of weapons that you can use against whatever comes against you. You've been given a set of weapons that you take with you as you walk. You know, today as I was continuing to prepare, I realized if I had, if I had a, if I had a bow and arrow, I would have a pocket in which I would put my arrows in and use them against the enemy. And I was thinking, what would those arrows be? It would be the word of God and his promises, which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. You know? And what else would it be? It would be the blood of Jesus. Revelation tells me that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of their testimony, which Joshua didn't have. And there's so many weapons that I would have. I would have his presence, which I have already spoken about. But I would also have his strength. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear, for I'm with you. That's his presence. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will help you have his help. 
I will strengthen you. I have his strength. And I will uphold you with my victorious righteous hand. And he says, do not fear. Do not fear. Those are all his promises. And if I'm standing there and I've got these, these would be the names of my arrows that I would be standing. They are actually the names of my arrows as I stand. And they are available for all of us. And what does he say? In Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I don't care what you're throwing at me. You know, you're trying to make me feel I cannot stand. You know, I went to, we went to see Tendai yesterday. And she said, I've been standing on Psalm 71 that has sustained me. It has kept me. It has encouraged me. It has protected me. That is his word. If we had time, I would have read it to you. It's a powerful, powerful psalm. But that is how we do this battle. We do it using his word. We do it using his promises. But we also, we also do it using prayer. In, in Matthew uh, 46, 26 says watch and pray watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation even the Lord's prayer itself just going through it line by line is a weapon in itself in, when you realize that your father is in heaven and his name is to be glorified when you invite his, when you, you submit to his will, invite his kingdom, what is it that can stand against the kingdom of God? You invite his will and you surrender all to him. Just by doing that, you begin to walk in victory. All these things poor Rod Joshua didn't have, but you have. Is anyone watching the time? How many minutes have I got left? Five? Okay. Quickly. So I've talked about his presence, but you know, the word also says we are heirs with Christ. Whatever Christ has, he has invited us to inherit, to be heirs with him. They were inheriting land here on earth. But we are inheriting things that are even greater than the lands that we are inheriting. We are seated in the heavenly places together with Christ. The victory of Christ is our inheritance. We have redeem received redemption. We have received a name that we can use, which is above all names. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Romans 8, 37 says we are more than, you know, it, it's not how you look. It's what the truth is. 
are we together? And there are times when we will not look like conquerors. But this walk is not about looks. This walk is about the truth. This walk is about what God has said. And if he says I'm more than a conqueror, then I stand to win. The decision is mine. I can either embrace it and say, Lord, you promised that I will be a conqueror and I'm going to press in until I see that victory. Or I could just say, oh, you know, I've been here so many times. This won't work. But the choice is ours. Just like the choice was with Joshua, he could have said, you know what, Lord, I'm old. Just let me go. Or he could say, you know what? Let's go and take the land because you said we can. Are we together? There is success promised for us. But Joshua 1 verse 8, do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then and only then will you be successful and prosperous. Our success is rooted and based on the fact that we read the word, we meditate, we understand, we obey it. That is the basis of our, of our success. You know, because without that, where do we go? What do we do? In how did I pass my nursing? It's because I did what I was taught. And then I had to evidence that I knew that which I was being asked to do. It was the same with my social work. I had to evidence my knowledge. I had to know what I was being taught. And then evidence that I knew what I had been taught. Even with my dyslexia. It's the same in our Christian walk. We need to know what the word says. And then we need to live what the word says. And then the enemy needs to know that we know, we understand. And then we are not moved or swayed to and fro. Amen? Amen. Am I making sense this morning? Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things. You know what? Sometimes you wake up and you think, God, God, how am I going to do today? Where do I start from? But Philippians 4.13 says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You know, it doesn't mean that it's going to, they are going to be easy things to do. No, but what it means is that there will be strength to do those things that Christ asks us to do through him. You know, when there are situations that you, we face as individuals, sometimes that you wake up in the morning and you go, it's another morning. What am I going to do today? But it is... There is hope because Christ says you can do today. You will be able to do today because it's me that will give you strength. Because it's me that will go with you. I will uphold you 
I will give you victory today. No wonder Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So yes, we will take the land, east, west, north, south, and even the gorges that are in those lands, because it is Christ that is going to strengthen us. It is Christ that is going to give us that land. Whatever that land is, whether it's a strongholds in our lives, strongholds in the community, whatever they are, Christ gives us the strength to do those. There is provision. You know, he does not call us to do things and not provide. God will always provide for us. His name is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. What is it that you need? What is it that you need? Turn to him, test him. Test him. See whether he will do it. See whether he will do it. I know he will do it. Because he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and gold are his. He is powerful. The Lord will provide. Last but not least, his plans for us are good. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. They are not determined by what is going on in your life. They are not determined by the things that are surrounding you or the people that are surrounding you or the circumstances that you have been through. The plans I have for you are good regardless of what is going on. Their plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. And it doesn't matter how it looks. God has said he is, his plans are good. And so that is it. There is no debate, it's final. And so I just stand and say, Lord, I'll see your good plans. Right now, I don't see how they are going to look, but you said your plans for me are good, and so I will trust and wait to see them come to fruition. Because in Romans 8, 28, you say all things. All things, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, they all work out for good. For those who love you, those that are called according to his purpose. So are you called according to your purpose? If you are, whatever is going on is part of taking that land, is part of learning how to fight. Remember, some of those things were left, some of the tribes were left, so that the younger ones could learn how to fight. So whatever it is, remember this. God is teaching you to fight. Is it Psalm 145 that says he's the one that teaches us to war and our fingers to war? Shall I invite you to stand, please?
You know, sometimes the things are so difficult and sometimes we get weighed down. But you know, the Lord says that we are the righteousness of God. As you go out today, I just want you to remember that when the enemy comes and begins to lie about all the things, some of them in the past, some of them in our minds, some of them, whatever it is, you need to remember that if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you are the righteousness of Christ. And to rise up and say, I am the righteousness of Christ. Because the more you do that, the more you begin to avoid those things that come against you. Because you remember who you are, the righteousness of Christ, the light of the world, the salt, the city on a hill, bright so that anyone can see us. It doesn't matter what it is that the Lord is asking us to do. He has not asked us to do it. He has not asked us to go and fight the orgs and all those people that we need to fight on our own. He has said, behold, I am with you. And I'll come with you. Because you know what? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty in God to bring down strongholds. Whatever you are going through, you have been given weapons that are not of flesh or blood. Weapons that even Putin does not have. Your weapons are greater. Walk into what God has called you. Because the land to be taken is still big. It's still big. The worth is still big, but you're not going to go in it alone. Father, this morning we just want to thank you. Lord, we thank you that we do not walk alone. Thank you that you are the God that walks with us. The God that has called us and made us his own children. The one that has raised us up and seated us in the heavenly places with Christ. You have made us heirs. Father, we are no ordinary people. We are children of the Most High God. We are humbled and yet strengthened in knowing that God, we are your children. And so this morning, Father, as we leave this place to face the week ahead of us, we want to thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords, that we are more than conquerors. We thank you that we are not under any condemnation, but we are the forgiven, the healed, and the delivered of Christ. And so, Father, we pray for grace to walk in these truths, to experience these truths, that, Master, your name might be glorified. Lord, bless each and every single one of us. You know the walks that we are having to walk, each and every one of us. We want to trust you for those journeys, O oh God. 
knowing that you are a God that does not lie. You keep your word, you keep your promises. You are not a son of money that you should lie, nor a money that you should change your mind. Do you speak and not act? Do you promise and not fulfill? Numbers 19.23 tells us he doesn't. Whatever he says, he does. So, Father, come. Come, King of glory. Come in every area and every space. Come and do that which only you can do. We give you praise this morning. We give you praise because of who you are. We give you praise, Lord, because you have loved us with an everlasting love. Master, we give you praise because you have redeemed us. You have saved us. And now we are a new creation. So be glorified in our lives, O Lord. Receive honor. In Jesus' name, amen.